What are your impressions so far about what the biggest challenges are for the department when it comes to supporting schools in this moment? Right. Well, it's right now everything is all COVID all the time, uh, if, or at least it feels like that. Um, and uh, it seems like every solution that comes forward also brings two new problems that you have to keep working through or something new that you have to think about. Um, we had um, uh, the Department of Public Health uh, roll out uh, information around a color-coded system to help provide guidance to school districts on what form of learning would be best for them as they reopened. Uh, they w also rolled out a reporting system uh, for COVID uh, reported cases to the school and quarantine. So we've been working, spending a lot of time this week uh, helping districts understand uh, what those are, uh, how those can be used to support uh, sound decisions that are made at the local level. Uh, but that's uh, in, in spite of that, we've also got um, budget challenges that we're starting to work through here at the department. Uh, we're looking at an, an 8% plan to cut uh, to state agencies, and that's um, the funds that flow into the Kentucky Department of Education also have some impact on school services and direct services to kids, so I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. Um, and uh, ongoing work around uh, anti-racism and equity, thinking about that. And at some point, we'd love to get to a conversation around uh, the future of education and what school could be in the state. But uh, that's a little further down the road uh, as we, we continue to work through this crisis. I know that some superintendents have expressed concerns that they want more clear leadership and direction from um, KDE, from public health, from the governor's office, and for all three of those entities and KHSAA to all get on the same page. Um, do you agree? Do you think there's room for more clear leadership? Well, I think that answer uh, is variable depending on who you talk to. Like most things, when it comes to how we manage this virus as a as a community and as a commonwealth, there's not a lot of consensus on what we should do and when we should do it. And so you can talk to some groups of superintendents and or school leaders, and they would say they want clear direction, they want sort of mandates or edicts to come out that provide clarity on exactly what they should do. And then you'll go to the next town over and you'll get the exact opposite answer uh, from someone else who doesn't want the state um, interfering or, or, or passing down mandates on or, and telling them what they should do in their local community. So the approach that um, the department has taken really is to put out uh, clear guidance. Um, and some, some things uh, derived from uh, the authority that the, the Department of Public Health uh, has to sort of regulate our state when it comes to managing uh, diseases. Uh, our mandates or requirements, a lot of it is guidance or recommendations. Um, so that's, that's, I think, the right place uh, for the state Department of Education and all of these other entities to be. We really need to be looking to Dr. Stack, Commissioner of Public Health, and the Department of Public Health for clear guidance on what are the best practices. Uh, we're not epidemiologists or um, experts in disease management, although school leaders have become that over the past uh, several months. Uh, we really need to be listening to our experts, um, the people who have studied this in their professional lives, and then uh, following uh, their guidance to the greatest extent we can. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about racial equity. That was one of your priorities that you said um, you had when you gave your opening remarks at the Board of Education meeting and back in July, I think. Is that right? Mm -hmm. um, what does that look like specifically? 
Well, there's a lot that the Department of Education and school districts have underway uh, right now. And so uh, the first thing that I want to do is make sure that I uh, am supportive of and continuing the work that's underway. I don't want to disrupt uh, the, the hard work that's already been put in. But, uh, you know, the events that happened uh, this summer really um, uh, brought to the fore uh, the issues of uh, uh, continuing racism, uh, inequities in, in society, and that's true in schools as well. We've, we have a part to play in that and thinking about um, are we really creating equitable opportunities for all, all children? We're not going to be an excellent education system as a state until we're an excellent education system and create opportunities for every child, uh, especially our black and brown uh, kids. So we've got um, work to do around uh, examining systemic um, bias or racism that may exist in school systems and, and within our practices uh, as a state. Uh, that can look that can mean looking at different policies or practices that result in different outcomes uh, for students that we've we've got to think more uh, closely about and and can we change those change those so that'll be a major uh, focus of mine and, and of the departments uh, going going forward again there's already good work underway uh, but we've got more work to do mm, and can you talk about specifically what more work would be like what what you see working and what you think needs improvement well the uh, Kentucky Department of Education has already put out um, implicit bias and uh, uh, trainings that are available uh, to school districts I think an addition to that uh, would be efforts focused on uh, the recruitment of minority educators uh, there's again already work um, underway uh, in that regard but the question should be how can we do that at scale or how because we're scratching the surface uh, compared to the, the magnitude or impact that we need to have um, also uh, supporting districts and looking at their practices and policies. Uh, one example that um, uh, comes to mind is if we look at the numbers of students who are identified for special education, um, they're uh, disproportionately uh, black and brown uh, in Kentucky and really all across the country. It's not an uncommon outcome. And if we look at the number of students that are identified for gifted and talented students, uh, for being gifted and talented, we under-identify black and brown students. So we do, do we believe that black and brown kids are less gifted and more disabled uh, than uh, their white and Asian peers? Of course not. Um, but we have a system that's, that's yielding that, that kind of outcome in terms of identification and in terms of the services that are provided. So I think that's an area for us to look at our policies and our, our practices in terms of identification and think, can we do better and what's a better way to do this? Um, so the, the General Assembly is going to meet in January. Um, do you, and you were at the Department of Education in Iowa. Um, you made some pretty significant policy changes to the teaching profession in that state. Um, you created a professional teacher ladder. Uh, teachers were incentivized to take on leadership positions. Are you thinking about any big major policy reforms or changes to the teaching profession here in Kentucky? I think the first thing that I'm going to work on in Kentucky is doing a lot of listening. Um, so, uh, I, and th that's really a lesson that I learned in Iowa too. The first year that I was the um, uh, chief state school officer in that state, they call the position director there, but it's the same role as commissioner um, in Kentucky. Uh, we put forth a, uh, this 
big education reform plan the very first year out of the gate. And it was uh, uh, just landed like a lead balloon. Um, and it, the reason was that we didn't take the time to understand the context uh, and think about what was right for that state. Uh, now, I think we learned our lesson and came back a year and a half later with a much better plan that passed unanimously with support from, uh, from both parties, uh, from the business community and from the education community. So I think that's a lesson that I bring to Kentucky uh, is that we, don't, we need to slow down and make sure that whatever policies that we put in place are the right ones. When you think about passing state laws that impact education, you're impacting tens of thousands of uh, educators and hundreds of thousands of kids and families. And so you really need to slow down and make sure that the, the things that you're put in, you put in place are the right things for the state. Uh, so that's work that I'll do over this first year is really a lot of listening and, and understanding uh, to try and uh, put together um, going forward. I, I think there will be a, a press for uh, what can we do from a legislative or a policy standpoint to raise the performance um, and experience for uh, students across the state. But that needs to be built based on what, what's right for Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So charter schools are a hot button issue here in Kentucky, as they are in most states. Uh, we have a, a law that allows uh, for the creation of charter schools, but we do not have yet a funding mechanism. So um, right now we have no charter schools in the state of Kentucky. Do you believe there is a role for charter schools in Kentucky? Well, I've had the experience working with charter schools in Iowa and in Colorado. In fact, the district that I just left had uh, 15 charter schools, and I worked to support them. And the reason for that is uh, if you move beyond the uh, ideology of them, uh, I always felt like those schools are serving kids in my community, and I want them to succeed because of that. And so I treated them just like any other school and thought, how, how can I help this school be successful? Um, charters, uh, the charter school structure is really just a different governance approach. Um, it moves the control and authority of the school away from the school district uh, into um, and, and a more independent body. And the charter is a contract that establishes the boundaries of, of what that independent body uh, can do. Uh, I think that charter schools have brought um, uh, innovative approaches, uh, a lot of uh, uh, more uh, focused or um, mission-specific schools have come into being in states that have had uh, charter schools. Uh, at the same time, I think they're a mixed bag. Um, their results are sort of uh, variable uh, from charter school to charter school, and uh, they have increased uh, inequities. Uh, so we have seen charter schools that have been created purely for the purpose of getting affluent white families a place to uh, put uh, concentrate their students. Um, so that exacerbates the inequity and uh, proliferating a bunch of new schools is not a very efficient uh, strategy from a cost standpoint. Um, so I think those are all things that we have to consider uh, as well. I, I think the, the biggest question for the state is how, from a state policy level, how do we raise the performance and experience for students across the state? Um, I have not seen evidence that charter schools, just the mere presence of them does that. Uh, so while, while I think they, they may have a place and Kentucky has a law that allows them to come into being, um, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that that is going to be the game changer that really uh, changes the student experience because fundamentally it's just a governance, uh, governance or structure change. Kentucky has, um, for lack of a better word, had a lot of drama at the state level in terms of education. You know, we had the whole school board turnover. We've ousted the commissioner of education. How do you plan to deal with the level of upheaval <laughs> that tends to happen in the Department of Education here? 
yeah, in recent well, years. Uh, Kentucky is not unique uh, in that there have there has been politics and upheaval um, at the state board, at the state uh, in the state agency, with the the state chief role, and with the legislature. So that I would say, uh, based on my experience working in numerous other states, that's the norm. Uh, that it's a political job. Uh, this is a political role. Um, so we have to work hard to uh, remove the politics from the decisions and try to get the focus back on what's in the what's the best in the best interests of our kids uh, and their future, uh, which is really a, uh, should be and is a nonpartisan question. Everybody loves their kids. Everybody wants the schools of the state to be quality and be great. We, we've got some different ideas uh, from party to party, from region to region, from person to person around uh, what that looks like and and uh, how we do that. But fundamentally, the goal is the same. So so that's what we're. I'll keep bringing us back to. And I think other commissioners, uh, going back to Commissioner Pruitt, um, Commissioner Lewis, uh, I've talked with both of them. Uh, they're good people and good good educators, uh, and they had that interest at heart. And so I think we have to keep coming back to that, but I don't come in uh, with any illusions this won't be a tough and political role. I knew that when I took the job. Great. Commissioner Glass, thank you so much. Thank you.